gas stations are running on empty, and the South Carolina Department of Transportation kicks down the road a plan to close a road. It's not too late to register to vote if you pay attention. Some hospitable and inhospitable talk about the hospitality tax. Christmas is coming, which is time to get means it's time to get ready. And a time to remember those we've lost in the year past and the years before. All this and more on the September 18th edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, News from People You Trust. And we are back after a slightly reduced summer schedule. Your favorite local news podcast resumes its weekly schedule just in time for a very busy fall. If you're listening to this in your car, you might want to do what everybody else in the county has done and make that trip to the gas station to make the gas shortage worse by topping off your tank. Seems like everybody I've talked to has done that. The leak on the 5,000-mile Colonial Pipeline, which runs all the way from the Gulf of Mexico up to Virginia, they had to shut that whole thing down because of that leak, and uh, they're working on it feverishly to try to get it back up. But it has met some deliveries of petroleum, have not made it to the local stations. Most of the QTs in Anderson were out of gas this weekend, and many other stations had little or no gas, especially regular and limited supplies of the high test, which is now well above 250 260 275 a gallon. Our governor, Nikki Haley, issued an executive order to allow more deliveries and bigger trucks to bring gas into the state to try to avert any crisis. Uh, we shouldn't be running out of gas, and I think they've got quite a few teams working on that pipeline. should be up any time. The last report I had was Sunday afternoon, about 6 p.m., and they estimated the pipeline should be up and running again quickly, but they wouldn't give me a timetable. Well, what won't be decided quickly is the exact fate of what happens on Rody Farm Road down near Iva. Uh, the South Carolina DOT upheld its decision to turn the road over to former Anderson County Councilman Eddie Moore, who recently lost his bid to return to council, and many people think that's why he closed the road, and who also had petitioned to close that road. The final ruling said that he could not put up fences or block traffic on the road, but that he is not responsible for no, that he is now responsible for maintenance of the road. So I'm not really sure what that means. It does create some issues. The Starwater Iva has a $150,000 8-inch pipe moving water back and forth there that they would have to reroute. It'll cost somewhere between $150,000 and $175,000. I'm not sure how that works. And um, Western Tail has a fiber optic cable running up that road as well. And I've not been able to get them to reply to what it would cost them to reroute that. Residents in the area are rightly a little ticked off and dismayed over the whole sordid incidents, which we've talked about here before. They sponsored that petition to stop the closing of the road, and then Moore stole the petition from the Ready Mart, where signatures were being gathered. A video sure, sure, really clearly showed the former councilman taking that petition, and um, Anderson County Magistrate uh, Mary Frances Cole refused to send out a warrant and have him picked up for doing that, even though there's video of it, and even though the Anderson County Sheriff John Skipper said there was enough evidence to make a case. I'm not saying this is one of those things where somebody should go to jail, but it is some place where somebody should get slapped on the wrist hard enough to hurt. Stay tuned, and we'll, we'll let you know how this plays out and what's going on down at Rody Road. You can also follow them. They have a web, uh, not a website, a Facebook account, Save Rody Road, and, and it's R-H-O-D-Y. Check that out. But stay tuned to the podcast, and we'll find that out. And we're as pleased as punch that this podcast is, as always, made possible by Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill. It is Anderson's finest place to eat for special occasions, dinner, lunch, pretty much any occasion. Of course, they're getting ready for Thanksgiving coming up. They have a buffet there. That's where my family plans on having Thanksgiving this year. Sullivan's has long been one of the top 100 restaurants in the United States, and which is one of only two in South Carolina to grab this honor. 
and they've been featured many times in Southern Living, a ton of culinary magazines, been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, all talking about the amazing work and food they have there. Bill Nickus and his wife Sabra took a chance when they opened Sullivan's in downtown Anderson almost 20 years ago when things were not going well at all, and we owe them a huge debt of thanks just for that, but uh, they did kick off a renaissance for downtown, so thanks Bill and Sabra. They also do catering, which have rates much more competitive than you would believe. I've talked to a number of people who called them, and their rates beat every every other person they'd call for the wedding they were trying to plan. So visit their Facebook page or Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill.com for more information. And there's some more big news coming from Sullivan soon we'll let you know about. And this time of year, Sullivan's is also, as part of what they've always been, a real great citizen of the community, offering a gift certificates to those who donate uh, financially to Meals on Wheels to get details on that. Get a meal, get, give a meal, get a meal plan. Visit the Meals on Wheels Anderson's Facebook page, and you'll find out more there. And we're going to talk more about Meals on Wheels, getting ready for their big oyster roast coming up on next week's podcast. But Meals on Wheels, there's another big story coming. What's the Observer? We are waiting on comment from a couple of corporate entities that have caused Meals on Wheels to have to make some cuts. It has been another great week in Anderson, though. The weather is still not exactly matching the calendar, although we have had a few mornings that promised the hope of cooler weather. Looks like the current forecast says by September 23rd, which is one day after the official beginning of autumn, I believe, they're projecting highs in the low 70s with rain, and that will actually feel like fall. So let's hope it gets here sooner rather than later. It's also a good time to remind people it's not too late to register to vote if you're not already registered. If you're not and you're of age, why not? It's the easiest it has ever been to register to vote. And the folks at the Anderson County Registration uh, Office have done a tremendous job. If you haven't been to their new office right there on Main Street where the old bank used to be, uh, you just haven't, you can't believe it. You walk in, it's well lit, easy to get around, there are plenty of people there to help you. And I talked this week to Anderson County Voter Registration Coordinator Laura Griffin, and she knows her stuff. And she says there are many ways to register and tells you just how easy it is. My name is Laura Griffin and I'm the Voter Services Supervisor for the Anderson County Board of Elections and Voter Registration Office. We try to make it as simple and as painless as possible to register to vote. Um, you're welcome to come into the office at North Main Street, the 301 North Main. If you come into the office, we ask you to please bring a photo ID or some document that has your name and current address on it. If you come to the office, you will actually leave the office with your voter certificate in hand. But if you're unable to come to the office, you're welcome to register to vote online at our State Election Commission website, and that is scvotes.org. That is scvotes.org on the online voter registration option. To use this option, you'll need to make sure your driver's license is up to date. If you don't have it up to date, it will, it will put the wrong address in there for your voter registration application, so make sure your, voter, make sure your driver's license is up to date. You can also register to vote at any state DMV office. Um, be mindful when you use that option that we do not get those applications for two to three weeks, so there will be a delay in getting your certificate, but we go by the date that you are actually at the DMV. So if a cutoff, a voter registration cutoff is actually a concern to you, as long as you're in that office and sign that application at the DMV prior to the cutoff, then you're timely with us and you'll be able to vote in the election. You can also register to vote at any of the state agencies in Anderson County if you use their services, such as DHEC, DSS, or the Department of Mental Health. They offer the right to let you register to vote there. 
Um, we also make it available at any of the branch libraries, not the main library on McDuffie Street, but any of the branch libraries throughout the county, such as the Powdersville branch, the Pendleton branch, or the Belton branch. You can register to vote there. Um, last but not least, um, and this is more popular for our older population that may be homebound, if you cannot get out to register to vote at any of these other facilities, give us a call and I will put a voter registration application in the mail to you so you can fill out that form and mail it back to us. Um, you can call us at 864-260-4035. Again, that's 260-4035. We can mail you that application and you can return that application through mail, email, or fax. Um, we also make it possible for the folks that will not be a, a, available on election day to absentee vote. Again, we're encouraging you to handle that issue if you know that you're not going to be here on November the 8th to make sure that you go ahead and give us a call. If you need to vote through the mail where we actually mail you a paper ballot, give us a call and we can send your application that you'll need to sign, just giving us permission to mail your vote to you. Do that as soon as possible. Um, also, starting October the 11th, our in-house absentee opens up. That's where you can come to this office and cast your ballot prior to the election day. You do have to have a valid reason to vote absentee, but we'd encourage you to do that if you know that you're not going to be here on election day as soon as possible. The website that I mentioned earlier, the scvotes.org, I would encourage anyone who has any questions or any candidate, anyone who has um, any general questions about the voting process to go to scvotes.org. It lets you know, you know, where you vote at. You can look up your voter registration to make sure it's current. It gives your polling place, all of your um, candidates from the upcoming election. Then after the election is over, we also have our results on scvotes.org. My thing, if you have any question, any doubt, if you've moved, if you don't remember if you've ever registered to vote, if you've moved from the last election, anything that you have any questions, call us. Um, you know, we'll be more than happy to try to answer your questions look up the information for you and be able to accommodate you. Um, we're just really striving to make sure everyone does it in a timely manner instead of waiting to right before the election day. And again, that deadline's October 8th. There's a lot of ways to do that. Election, of course, November 8th this year. Presidential election's the one where we do have the highest voter turnout generally. And so it's good to be a part of government. And if you're not, then keep your opinions uh, largely to yourself because you're not participating in government. And speaking of that, on Tuesday night, Anderson County Council is going to vote on the second reading of the proposed 2% hospitality tax on prepared food sold in unincorporated areas of the county. Uh, the county's municipalities already have this tax in place, the townships and municipalities, and they are reaping the benefits. Uh, this tax generated more than $2.5 million last year for the city of Anderson alone, and the county has many, many uh, opportunities to generate funds that can really benefit all of us and actually save taxpayers money in the long run. Opposition to this tax has been loud, but largely marked by a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding. The 2% will only be in effect in places not already covered by the tax, which is primarily going to be the Powdersville area and the corridor from up Clemson um, Boulevard from out where Outback and Cracker Barrel and all those places are. It will not be added on top of the tax in any of the incorporated areas. So you're not going to go into the city of Anderson. You're not going to Sullivan's to eat and get a 2% city tax and a 2% county tax added. It's not going to happen. The suggestion that the hospitality tax has been shrouded in some sort of secrecy or was an attempt by the county council to sneak something by the public is just ludicrous. Uh, the tax is being discussed by council for years. And the current proposal was added to the agenda, just like everything else, with complete transparency and all the details. 
It was voted upon once already with, with the public hearing, and it uh, passed first reading and a close vote. Uh, it's been subject to numerous town halls, public hearings, and now we'll face the second vote Tuesday, and if it passes, then it'll go to third vote with another public hearing. There's nothing sneaky going on here, people. Um, some people have, have suggested it would hurt local restaurants. I have talked to more than a dozen that have are in the cities and municipalities which already have the tax, and zero so far have said it, they can tell any difference at all. Uh, the most uh, probably lucid and clear demonstration of this is uh, Hamid Mosini, who owns both Carson Steakhouse and Tucker's. And if you know, those two are right next to each other, but one's in the city and one's in the county's unincorporated area. And even though their parking lots are adjacent, he said he hasn't seen any difference in business between the two, even though one has had the hospitality tax now for a couple of years and the other has not. There can be little argument, too, that this tax is going to be a burden on any consumer. Uh, that's just silly. It's hard to imagine anyone who can afford to dine out unable to pay an extra two cents on every dollar spent. A $50 dining out bill would charge you an extra $1. Um, besides that, more than half of the areas impacted by the new tax are places frequented largely by those who are from out of state and out of the county. So they'll, we'll be getting a lot of tax revenue from people to help our county from other places. That's been pretty clearly shown in, in like counties like Greenville and Spartanburg uh, that have uh, similar, you know, along the I-85 corridor, how much money is generated there. Uh, there are other arguments based on the purpose of the tax. Uh, I've heard people say recreation in Anderson County is responsibility of the private sector. However, none of our neighboring counties or any counties in the country that are succeeding in this area see it that way. And neither do the companies from around the world looking for a place to locate or relocate businesses or headquarters. One of the top things uh, that is essential to them is recreation opportunities. Um, it's something so essential to Anderson County, especially because we have more international business than any other county in the state with 51 firms from 23 countries that have brought a lot of good high-paying jobs to this area, helping us to survive and pull out of the Great Depression of 2008. And we can continue to bring these folks in, but we're going to have to be able to have something to offer them. Even domestic companies rate recreation activities very high on their punch list when they're looking for location. Most of the places you look, it says number three. It's right there with financial you know, uh, opportunities, workforce, and then recreation facilities. Anderson's already behind in our approach to recreation. It's time to catch up, and this hospitality tax will allow us to do that. The county's recreation is currently largely the result of 18 nonprofit groups that work together, more or less. The county does have facilities, the Civic Center, for example, but it's the YMCA and the other groups from around that fill the fields, the courts, and everything else. And this puts us pretty far behind Greenville and Spartanburg, which spend millions of taxpayer dollars directly, you know, build to uh, property owners towards recreation. Uh, the Civic Center, you know, we've got, talked about before, and we'll d discuss it again, should have been built in a different way. But the Civic Center would be one of the biggest winners in the hospitality tax, and the funds generated would save property owners in Anderson County money long term. Why? Because the county will have to spend more money at the Civic Center as the needs grow and our population grows, and also as the Civic Center continues to age. And that money will have to come from either raising taxes on property owners or the, this proposed hospitality tax. I've heard no other options offered. The money can generate through the two cents on the dollar spent eating out is a much better way to generate funds by raising taxes. 
Um, both of the counties near us also have, well, more than just two. Most of the county around us have some sort of recreational trail and are aggressively marketing their recreation opportunities to economic development. So if it comes down between us and another county, they can offer other similar things. The recreation facilities are going to be a big factor in that. And that's what this hospitality tax really, the bottom line, is all about. It's economic development. Without a vision for the future recreation in the county, there will be trouble ahead in attracting new business, especially international business. Hartwell Lake is an amazing place. It's an amazing resource and, and a great place to have facilities. But though it's one that the county has only managed to take advantage of through things like Green Pine, which was part of federal settlement money on PCBs. So there's a lot more to be done, and there's just no more money to do it. Uh, then there are also, you know, the local recreation needs. We don't need to forget about our citizens that are here now that are having kids and raising families here and choosing to make Anderson County their home. Uh, the Powdersville area has grown exponentially, really too rapidly to any company who are near keeping up with the needs of their population. And being unincorporated, they have no other way to really generate revenue for these kinds of things. Look, there's going to be plenty of time to debate details of how to use this tax money in the months and years ahead. Since this tax will generate a great deal of revenue, I think... The county really has has put out estimates that are far lower than are actually going to make themselves manifest once this is done. Based on how much money per capita this hospitality tax is uh, generated for municipalities and townships in the county, it's going to be far more than $3 million rather than the $2 million that has been suggested by the county. There are no downsides to the hospitality tax for Anderson County's unincorporated areas. It's crucial for the future of economic development and for the quality of life of our own citizens. And many of the same opponents of this tax oppose the East-West Parkway, something which I bet you most of them use every single day. So unless property owners want to pay for these things with increased property taxes, something council's done a pretty good job of avoiding over the last several years, uh, taxes which aren't shared by the visitors to the county and by those who don't own property, the time has come for greater support for this hospitality tax. So call your county representative and tell them that you expect them to vote in the best interest of the county Tuesday night and in the final reading. There's going to be a lot of loud stuff and a lot of people in opposition, but so far there have been absolutely no indication that anybody has any sort of hard data or hard reasoning other than just the emotional, we don't want any more tax on anything for any reason. Of course, in addition to county council meeting Tuesday night, a lot's going on this week. The Anderson County Farmer's Market's still going strong. Fall crops are coming in, a lot of greens, a lot of other things. You can drop by Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday from 8 to 1, see what I mean, see what all is there. Anderson County Touchdown Club's heading into week four. That's a great place to meet people and have a good lunch and enjoy the day they meet on Fridays at the Anderson County Library. And the meal starts at 11.30 and the speech starts at 12.15. You can look at the Anderson County Touchdown Club's Facebook page to get the details on what it costs to eat and all that. Fall theaters in full swing. The market theater, Julius Caesar and Milltown players, Patsy Klein are both still in full uh, full mode. And if you haven't seen either one of those, I've heard good things about both of them. Uh, Saturday brings the annual concert for Hope and Remembrance to benefit the Cancer Association of Anderson. It'll be at Boulevard Baptist Church again. There's still time to get tickets. Just visit the Cancer Association of Anderson's Facebook page for all the information you need on that and how to get tickets and everything. Well, September days are getting shorter and shorter, and that doesn't mean Halloween's 42 days away, Thanksgiving 66 days in the future, and Christmas is just 97 days from today. And with the holidays getting that close, it's one of the most important times of the year for many of our local charities, and two of them in particular are asking you to make plans early to try to help them. The first is Foothills Alliance and Anderson. It's Anderson's most important organization for helping children who are victims of sexual abuse, They're the first agency to get the call from law enforcement in the emergency room. 
And their biggest fundraiser of the year is the Festival of Trees. This annual event, which has local organizations and individuals decorate trees, which are then auctioned off to deliver to those with an amazing holiday tree already filled with lights and decorations for you. So if you're just too busy or want a tree somebody else has decorated, uh, maybe too lazy to do a tree, it's a good place to get one. Many of those trees are also decorated with gift cards and other goodies that are worth way more than people that end up bidding on the tree a lot of times. So that sweetens the purchase. So like I said, if you're too busy or too lazy to decorate your own tree and want to have one delivered to your front doorstep, brought in and set up in time for Santa's visit, check out uh, Foothills Alliance on Facebook or on their website. And I did talk to Tracy Bowie, their executive director, and ask her to give a quick overview of the event and what's going on at the agency now. Foothills Alliance is kicking off the Christmas season with this annual Festival of Trees fundraiser at the Anderson Civic Center on November 16th. Foothills Alliance is the local sexual trauma center, child advocacy center, and we do child abuse prevention work in Anderson and Oconee counties. Um, we serve on call 24-7 to provide services to um, any victim of sexual assault um, in both counties. Um, we also do education in the schools to help children um, to understand about body safety and personal safety and healthy relationships. Um, and we also provide counseling services to anyone who's been a victim of sexual assault. Um, Foothills Alliance has been here um, going on 27 years. And um, so y'all are the first line when there's uh, a suspected sexual assault case. You, you guys get, I mean, right along with law enforcement, y'all get the call right after law enforcement. Is that correct? We do um, for children who have been um, possibly assaulted. They um, file a police report. The police report is sent to us, and then we bring the children in to do forensic and um, medical exams. Um, for our area, we serve over 300 children a year um, who have had suspected cases of assault. Um, so pretty, pretty big number um, for our area, and that's just children from the ages of 3 to 17. You mentioned prevention programs. What kind of programs do y'all do in the community to help people be aware of this problem? Um, some of our biggest things are going into the schools and doing some um, education work. So we try to go in and do um, a darkness to light program for um, for schools, for educators, um, guidance counselors, anyone and anyone involved with children so that they know kind of the warning signs of things to look for for a child that's been abused. Um, and also to kind of help them figure out things to, um, to do and not to do when you're working with children. And then we go into the schools themselves with the kids and do education. Um, we do sexual assault education um, K through 12. So um, it's all age appropriate for the child, um, depending on you know what age they are, is how our curriculum is designed to pre present that information to them. Now, y'all uh, operate primarily on donations, is it? We do. We um, we are funded about half from um, the the Victims of Crime Act. Um, which is money that comes back down through the system to help people who have been a victim of a crime. Um, and then the rest that we, we raise, so we do um, grants to local foundations, um, businesses, and then we have our, um, our fundraisers that we do every year. So, 
and our um, our biggest one is coming up soon. So um, we're getting in the Christmas spirit, um, even though it's like 100 degrees outside. We are <laughs> we are gearing up for Christmas and talking about Christmas trees. Um, but our biggest fundraiser is our Festival of Trees, and it is coming up in November. Um, our kickoff event is November 16th, which is a brunch, um, which will probably start around 10, 10.30. Um, and that'll be the first opportunity to buy any of the items that we have for sale um, at our event. So, And then our finale event is on Saturday, November 19th. So our Festival of Trees um, will have various different trees there that are decorated. And how those happen is um, folks come in, groups, individuals, schools, um, they come in and they donate the decorations, they decorate the tree, and then um, we put it up for sale. We also have all kinds of other um, Christmas items. So. We have people that do um, centerpieces, wreaths, um, any kind of other holiday decor. We'll have a Christmas store that'll have all kinds of holiday items in it from um, baked goods to fudge to um, Christmas gifts for your, your cats and dogs. So um, all across the board of, of different types of items that you can um, purchase for the Christmas season. So. Um, after the brunch on um, November 16th, it will open up to the public that evening. Um, and I'm not sure um, yet exactly what time, but it'll, it'll probably be sometime after lunch. We'll open it up and then um, we'll have it open Thursday and Friday all day. Um, and then possibly some Saturday morning before we get ready for the Saturday night event. Um, the event will be at the Civic Center this year, and there'll be a lot of other things going on that week as well. During um, the event, we're going to have um, craft times for children to come out. Santa will be there um, to have pictures taken. Um, we may have some additional events like a um, choral contest and things. So we're putting a lot of things in place this year um, to get some some added um, events for children in there, um, Santa a couple of times, and so um, we'll have lots of things going on that week, but it'll be at the Civic Center. We'll have more information coming out on our Facebook page um, and our website, and um, also have some flyers and posters and things coming out soon, too. Is there still time if there's a group? that sees this this video and wants to do a tree, can they still decorate a tree and donate it? Absolutely. Um, we are just kind of getting kicked off, and so um, we're really now starting the process of getting things ready to send out to folks. So anybody that would like to um, decorate or donate anything, we'll also have a huge silent auction there on the finale event. So we'll be looking for all kinds of um, donations and, and crafty folks to come out and, and help us out. So, Don't forget the Festival of Trees at the Anderson Civic Center. Um, we are kicking off November 16th with a brunch, have events throughout the week there, and then um, the finale event will be November 19th. Um, for more information, you can check out our website, which is foothillsalliance.org, our Facebook page, um, or you can call 864-231-7273. Merry Christmas.
Okay, she may have been the first person to wish you a Merry Christmas this year, yeah, if you've not been paying attention. There's still plenty of time to give them a call if you want to be one of those groups, your Sunday school class or one of your other groups you're a part of wants to decorate a tree. Give them a call at 231-7273. And, of course, AIM, as many of people still call it, Anderson Interfaith Ministries, and they will answer either one. You can actually make donations to either one. They make Christmas gifts possible for hundreds of kids who would otherwise wake up with an empty living room Christmas morning. They're asking church groups, civics groups, garden clubs, book clubs, any others to plan now to help one of those families. A lot of people uh, forget that not just toys, but clothes and shoes. A lot of these kids wear hand-me-down shoes that, that are falling apart and just really don't have anything at all. And AIM is there to help. Now, let me make it clear, and they'll talk talk to you a little bit about this. Actually, this is a little different. I actually made them a little infomercial for their trying to get people to support this. But a lot of these folks have been are not just people who walked off the street. They're families they've worked with. They're people who are working to get a better job. There's a hand out, not a hand. It's a hand up, not a hand out. And AIM is there to try to help them. And here's what Christy and Amy had to say about that. I'm Christy King-Brock, the Executive Director of Anderson Interfaith Ministries. I'm Amy Hoyes, the Vice President of Resource Development at Anderson Interfaith Ministries. AIM has been providing Christmas to needy families for the last 26 years. Over those 26 years, we've tweaked our program and made changes. What we found is that the program works best in dealing with clients that we're already serving. So we identify needs as early as late summer. We're already taking Christmas applications. So if you are interested in sponsoring a family, we do this with groups, um, your Sunday school class, your garden club, uh, even your family, if your family would like to adopt another family. Uh, and you are an early bird and start saving early, um, we can provide you already with some names of families that are going to be in need at Christmas time. And starting in September, we will start sending letters out to potential sponsors to sponsor these families. And in October, we will reach out to our clients that we are, we are serving here at AIM for what their Christmas needs might be for their children. So those children will get to fill out their wish lists of, of clothing and toys and, and what they would like to have on um, this Christmas season. And then in November, we hope that the sponsors will be shopping for those items. In December, the, the items will come in and, and be matched up with the children to come in. The, the parents will come pick up the toys to, to keep it all secret still for the children. But the parents will come pick up the toys for the kids. Um, we also provide uh, wrapping paper and things that they can kind of put around their house to, to bring that Christmas cheer to the family. We also provide a Christmas dinner to the families as well through our food pantry. So it's a wonderful opportunity for these these children and these families who might be going through something at the time um, and working with, with us here at AIM to, to better their future, to, to have a happy and Merry Christmas. Um, and it's also such a wonderful joy for the sponsors, um, these, these um, Sunday school classes and businesses to, to give back to the community and, and to help a family in need. So We encourage that groups do buy clothing. Um, Christmas is a time of, 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 of happy time to give children what their wishes are. However, many of these kids don't have clothing mm -hmm. or shoes, and so we ask that the sponsors consider a toy or two, um, but really focusing in on meeting the needs of these children and clothing, coats, shoes, and so we, we provide you with sizes. Um, we ask that if you're going to adopt a, a child that you average about $125 um, spending on that child, and of course that's taken into consideration the clothing. We ask that you bring it in unwrapped. Um, mm -hmm. The reason for this is that we want to give these parents an opportunity that many of them already feel very bad that they can't provide this for them children themselves. 
everybody wants to provide for their own mm-hmm. kids. And so giving them an opportunity to take those toys home and those clothes home and wrap them, it lets them be involved. And so that morning when these children are opening presents, they know what they're getting. They mm-hmm. have had involvement um, in being a part of this. Um, and we're very fortunate that Publix provides <laughs> us uh, with what they have left after the season, and we hang on to it. And so we're able to give them the wrapping paper tape, bows, the things yep. that they'll need to wrap these presents. Yep. And last year we served close to 300 children. Um, we served 300 children through this program. Um, and we also, whatever we have left, we're able to partner and, and give to the Sheriff's Department and the Police Department to have toys in the trunks of their cars. So in case something happens um, during the holiday season, that the sheriffs can help as well. So we try to help with partner agencies. Because we try to get these um, presents out to the families early December. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ask that our groups get the shopping done so that early December they have that. Now, we always have those last minutes. We always have those toward the end um, that we identify, and we can't let them go without Christmas. However, we do the majority of the program early. And we found that in the past, uh, what we have after we filled all the requests, we then share with other agencies that have children that may not have anything, mm-hmm. um, as well as, like Amy said, the sheriff and the police, because many times on Christmas Eve, they'll get calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so nice to have something in their trunk that they can hand um, to a child to brighten their night. I think it's very humbling for them to come to, to us for any type of assistance. But when they realize they might be coming for assistance to help pay a power bill or a water bill and and they're truly trying to better their lives and get a job so that next year they can pay that power bill themselves, we're able to tell them, hey, look, we know you're going through a rough time right now. Let us help provide some gifts for your kids. Let us us lift that burden for you. Um, When they come down here, I mean, I'm blessed by running the program when I'm able to give the parents those those gifts. Um, You know, they, their child just wants a bike or a coat. And when you're wheeling that bike out to those parents, they're, they're overwhelmed by the outpouring and how giving the Anderson community really is. I have seen um, a grown man literally weep mm-hmm. uh, when they're told that, you know what, we know you're having difficulty paying this power bill. We know that if you're having difficulty paying this power bill in September, that you're not going to have extra cash on hand at Christmas. Right. So we'd like to give you a Christmas application to have filled out so you can get the wishes of your children and we want their sizes. And when a grown man sits there and tears run down his cheeks, mm-hmm. um, you know that this program has made an impact and, and touched a heart and touched a life. Well, and we've had clients that, that I've served in the last few years of running this program that we've assisted one year and the next year they want to give back. So they might find out about someone in need for them, and they want to provide some toys and some assistance. So we've really seen sort of the pay it forward and those teachable moments in our clients to want to help someone in turn. You know, um, AIM has always prided itself on being a hand up and not a hand out. Um, Our tagline is uh, giving hope and changing lives. Um, We know that when people come in in crisis, we've got to respond to that crisis need. Um, But past that, we want to give them the tools, the skills, the training they need to equip themselves to be self-sufficient. Um, and that's, that's our whole purpose. Uh, it's a continuum mm-hmm. to move people from having a crisis need to that of sustainability. And that's when they're able to pay it forward. Um, so that, that's what AIM's about. It's about uh, empowering people um, to move out of poverty and take care of themselves. And one of the other things about this program is we do ask them to write a thank you letter. We ask them to write it, we give them the card. We ask them to write a thank you card to their sponsor. They don't know who their sponsor is, 
but it's just having them show some appreciation for what they've received, I think helps bring them to a humbling moment as well and an appreciative moment of, hey, someone did this for me. Someone sacrificed for me to give Christmas to my children. If you're watching this and you would like to sponsor a child, um, you can go onto our website, um, www.aimcharity.org, um, and be able to contact us. You can call the office at 226-CARE and let them know that you want to sponsor a child at Christmas, and they'll connect you with the right person. You can call them at 225-2273 to sign up to help a family or visit their Facebook page for more information. If you plan now, there's plenty of time you can be very generous and help these kids out and help their families and folks in our neighborhood. Our neighbors who are having a tough time know that uh, they're in a place that cares about them. Well, that's about it for this week's Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust. Next week, I will give an update on hospitality tax. Uh, also offer an update on Anderson's leading historian, Brian Scott, and his new book about the day-to-day -day, uh, life of Anderson throughout history. I'll be also be talking to a group here in Anderson that's making it possible for our homeless folks to get ready for job interviews and just feel better about themselves, and it's all volunteers. So it should inspire everybody. All that and a whole lot more on next week's Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. <laughs>